congregation, the text for this morning's our sermon is from Matthew 5, especially the verses 1 through 10. The Beatitudes, let me only read verse 3. Blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So far. The eight Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount is the theme for today. The eight Beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount with the help of the Lord four thoughts. Eight proclamations. Eight times it says, Blessed, blessed, blessed proclamations of blessedness. You are, not you feel, you are blessed. Secondly, eight marks of grace. Like, blessed are they that mourn, the poor, the meek. Eight times we hear about those marks of grace. In the third place, eight promises. Eight promises for the future in those eight benefits. For theirs is the kingdom, and they shall be comforted, and they shall be filled. Eight of those promises. And then in the fourth place, eight invitations. With all those eight blessings are connected to an invitation. Are you hungry? Are you meek? Are you poor? Seek it in him. So the eight beatitudes of the Sermon on the Mount, eight proclamations, eight marks, eight promises, and eight invitations. Congregation is not so long ago that I preached on Matthew 5 and 6. You might remember that the Lord Jesus prayed for an entire night outside. Imagine praying outside all night, wrestling. The Lord Jesus did. If he did, we should as well to be busy with the kingdom of God. And the next day he met, he met with the multitude and he called unto him his disciples. And he also has chosen 12 of them to be apostles. Uh, on, uh, after that long prayer, the Lord Jesus kind of prepared himself for that day that he has to speak to the multitude and that he will speak also, call also to the disciples and call the apostles. And then he comes down. We see it in chapter 5 as well. And seeing the multitudes, lots of people, multitudes even in plural, he went up into a mountain, kind of to distance himself a little of the, of the crowd. 
And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. So he saw the multitude. He went up to the mountain and he spoke to his disciples. He did not speak only to the crowd, but specifically to the disciples. So you have to keep it in mind in this Sermon on the Mount who the Lord Jesus was talking to. He did not speak indiscriminately to all of them. He pointed out to them, blessed are the poor, blessed are the hungry ones. Right? So again, he, he saw the multitudes, then coming to a mountain, he was set, and his disciples came to him, and he opened his mouth and told them, you also find uh, the, the Sermon on the Mount and the Gospel we're going to Luke. Luke 6, verse 20, and he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said, Blessed be ye, poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. See, we have to keep in mind always in the Bible who the text is spoken to, who it refers to. There is an important point. Let me give a few examples from the Bible. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation. What a blessing. No condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. We don't say to the whole congregation, there's no condemnation for you. The Lord Jesus paid the price for you. No, we say there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus, that believe in him, that know him. And do not walk after the flesh, but after the spirit. Or think of 2 Timothy 4. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at the day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. If we love his appearing, if we love his revelation, if we love his second coming, there's laid up a crown of righteousness for such a people. Or think of Jeremiah 6. That's the opposite. That is the danger. They have healed also the hurt of the God of my people slightly. Slightly. They smooth over it. Slightly saying, peace, peace, 
when there is no peace. Right? So we have to preach the gospel to our people and also understand that it is applied by the Spirit to a certain amount of them. And that we cannot just assume that they are forgiven. So what do we see? He was said that he was said his disciples came unto him. Who was sitting? Who was standing? Normally you you're sitting in church and I stand, right? What about the opposite? If I would sit, we would have to chair here, you would all stand. Then we don't need pews. Uh, in the olden days, there, was, there, there were no pews in church. And the pastor was sitting on the preaching chair. And the people were standing in the audience. That was the old custom. The rabbis were sitting, and the congregation was standing. Now we don't know how long those sermons were. When you read this sermon, chapter 5, 6, and 7, it takes 10 minutes only. But I suppose that the sermons are longer than that. And that this is only an, an, an abbreviation of it, a shortened version. So the Lord Jesus is sitting on the stone on the ground, and the people are standing before him, his disciples. And then he is preaching. And the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, 7, is counter-cultural. Counter-cultural. You know what counter means, eh? Counter-intuitive. That goes against your intuition. You did not think that. So far away from it. You know it is to be counterproductive. That it is not productive without this counterproductive works the wrong way. And so the sermon of the Lord Jesus and in fact the truth of the Bible is countercultural. It is in the ears of the natural man, weird, is strange. It is so far off, so foreign, so bizarre, so strange that they can't explain it. Because it is so against the grain, right? A counterculture is a culture where lifestyles and values differ substantially of those of mainstream society, sometimes diametrically opposed to mainstream cultural mores. It goes so against the grain. Young people, keep in mind, when you talk to neighbors or to friends or to colleagues, you have to keep in mind that the truth is so countercultural. They don't expect that. They don't see that. They think it's weird. 
And yet the disciples are listening to this sermon and they're very impressed. No matter how counterculture it was, Jesus spoke with authority, not like the scribes and Pharisees. We read in the last verses of chapter 7 the response of the disciples. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority and not as a scribe. So that was the introduction. Sumer on the Mount, specifically to their disciples, kind of a strange doctrine, because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto them, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. So we need to have our eyes opened and our hearts opened to understand that strange sermon on the mount. So in the first ten verses, we find the eight beatitudes. Some think that there are nine. I let me not bother you with that. I firmly believe there are eight of them in the verse 1 through 10. And eight times you read, Blessed are. Blessed are. What does that mean, blessed? Well, the first one was eight proclamations, right? So it is not so that it speaks about the experience. No. It does not say, happy are they, happy feel they. Happy they feel, happy they feel. Such a happy people, they always feel happy. No. It is a proclamation. It is not how they feel, but it is about who they are. So the Lord Jesus proclaims here, and he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. You see that are in italics, right? It is not in the original. So it says, opening his mouth, blessed the poor in spirit, blessed the day of morn, blessed David's do our hunger and thirst. It's a proclamation. You can also find more of those in the Bible. Think of the Old Testament Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. So they are blessed. They may not feel that way, but they are. And you know it from Psalm 32, right? The Psalm of David, blessed are 
Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Proclamations. In chapter 7 of Luke, we also find proclamations, but then also negative ones. But woe unto you that are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe unto you that are poor, woe unto you rich, when all men shall speak well of you. Right? So blessed means well. It is well with you. It is not ill with you. The Lord Jesus proclaims to his disciples, you are blessed. Also in this morning, the Lord proclaims to all them that believe in him that they are blessed. Even if they don't feel blessed. Right? It's the proclamation. It's it's a statement. It is the Lord telling us how he feels about us. This is also close to what we read in the Heidelberg Catechism. Lord's Day 31, Christians 84. How is the kingdom of heaven opened and shut by the preaching of the Holy Gospel? Well, when, according to the command of Christ, it is declared and publicly testified to all and every believer that whenever they receive the promise of the gospel, by through faith, all his sins are really forgiven them of God for the sake of Christ, of Christ's merits. And on the contrary, when it is declared and testified to unbelievers and such as do not sincerely repent, that they stand exposed to the wrath of God and eternal condemnation so long as they are unconverted, according to his testimony of the gospel, God will judge them both in this and the life to come. So in the preaching we proclaim, we declare, we publicly testify, we say, you are blessed, or you are not blessed. Woe unto Lord Jesus separating. He doesn't say you're all blessed. He says, blessed are those people that are poor, countercultural. So today we testify, we proclaim freedom to all them that believe in Christ. They are blessed. They may not feel blessed, but they are blessed. Let's go to the second part. Eight marks. We find them here in the Bible. The poor in spirit, they did mourn, the meek, them hungry and thirsty for righteousness, 
the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecutions. So countercultural. We would say the world says, blessed are the famous. Blessed are the pop stars. Blessed are the rich. Blessed are the healthy. Blessed are the strong. Blessed are the smart. Blessed are the independent. Blessed are the hard-nosed ones. This is counter-cultural. So the Lord is pointing out the marks of grace because something has dramatically changed in the hearts, in the lives of that people. The things have been upside down. They were rich, they were strong, they were healthy. But now they feel different. And that is the work of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit empties sinners of all the things they have filled themselves with. The Lord takes things away in order to fill within. In the Old Testament, we read about this one. The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. That is so strange, no? He is nigh unto those with a broken heart. And save us such as be of a contrite spirit. Or Psalm 51, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart of God I will not despise. Or Isaiah 57, for thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. It's everywhere in the Bible. Blessed are days that have nothing, have lost everything. The beggars, they have nothing to pay the Lord with. Oh, blessed people that does not qualify. Blessed people that cannot give God what he deserves. Blessed are the people that is failing. You did not expect that, did you? That is the Bible. Blessed are they that mourn. Mourning is deep sadness. Mourning is to have lost something. Losing a relative. Losing your health, losing something. So something that you would like to have, and now you're mourning. Like in Jeremiah 6, O daughter of my people, girdy with sackcloth, and wallow thyself in ashes, make thee mourning as for an only son, most bitter lamentation. Oh, blessed is that people that cannot live themselves up. It is mourning, sadness, 
Her heart is broken. Blessed are the meek. In our culture, meekness is weakness. But the Lord says, I change people and I make proud people, meek people. I make people that have something poor. And people that rejoice, I make them to mourn. And people that have nothing, I make them also feel they have nothing. The Lord also gives that sadness of missing the Lord, of walking over this earth without that true comfort. Oh, blessed are the meek, because they have feel shame. They're bashful. They blame self. And they're especially meek towards God. Read, for example, the chapter on humility in the book of Reverend Edward John Edwards about religious affections. Or hunger and thirst after righteousness. That means that I'm not righteous. I love to be righteous. That's a mark of grace. That hunger, that thirst for righteousness to be right with God. And I can't come so far. So there's a hunger. Something unfulfilled. Something I cannot attain to. Something I cannot merit. Are you? Do you belong to those poor ones? Do you belong to those meek ones? To those mourning people? To those being hungry and thirsty for righteousness? Oh, blessed are the merciful. They were so unforgiving and so hard on others. But the Lord has changed them. And they have become a merciful people. They are, it's easier for them to forgive. How come? Well, they have been forgiven themselves. And they seek forgiveness and they, they realize that they should be able to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debts. That is those merciful ones. The merciful ones, they pray for forgiveness and are forgiving themselves. Blessed are the pure of heart. Pure of heart. The, the clean ones. Not clean by nature, but they're cleansed by the Lord. They have not only received the forgiveness of sins, but also things have changed. They have become merciful, and they also love righteousness, and they love everything that pleases God, and hate sin. Blessed are the peacemakers, 
I said before, right, that they have changed. So they are peacemakers now. Are you one of those peacemakers? Because the Lord has just broken you, changed you, turned everything upside down, countercultural. And now you're a peacemaker. It has been impressed upon the heart that the Lord Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And the Lord wants to make peace with sinners. So that is a, a wonder to them. Galatians 5.22 But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. So do you think that characters change? And the Lord comes with his spirit? Well, maybe not. But there is a change anyway. A huge change. Blessed are the martyrs. Blessed are they who are rejected. Blessed are the, they that are killed for their faith. Blessed are they on the stake. They are killed. How can you say that? Well, they have something that others don't have. They have they experience persecution, but God is with them. And others experience prosperity, but God is missing. So that is why the persecuted ones are God's people, and the Lord is with them. For the young people, I read a story about a young man who was a partier, drinking too much of the wrong stuff, and he, he, he changed. The Lord opened his word to him, and his friends noticed that change. He didn't know to go to those river parties anymore. He said, I don't belong there. I can't be there anymore. And the response of his friends was, I feel sorry for you. I feel sorry for you. You can't go there anymore. You can't have fun. You can't be happy anymore. I, I feel sorry for you. I, I wish you would be still the same way. You could be happy. But congregation, young people, blessed are the poor ones, and blessed are the persecuted ones, and blessed are all those people that hunger for righteousness. They are the blessed ones. Don't make a mistake. The people that have joy and happiness in this life and enjoy this world. They are not the happy ones. They may feel happy, but they aren't. And others don't feel so happy, but they are. Eight promises. The eight beatitudes are also eight promises. Promises not only for this life, but especially promises for the future. 
I think, oh, wait, I'm in the first place about the kingdom, about what's happening after death. Or even more, our age promises are about after this life on the new earth. Because those people who are proclaimed blessed and have those characteristics, those people bears bears is the kingdom of heaven. Use your binoculars and look at the future. And they will be comforted in the new earth. They will inherit the earth. They will be filled. They will obtain mercy. They will see God. They will be called the children of God. They will enter in the kingdom of heaven. So compare the first one with the last one. The first one, blessed are the poor in spirit, that is the kingdom of heaven. And the eighth one is also about entering in, into, the, into the kingdom. So this sandwich, right? begins with the kingdom and ends with the kingdom. Because the son of the mount is the son of the kingdom. Not how to become a child of the kingdom, but how to behave as children of the kingdom. There is the kingdom. There is the new earth. The Lord is creating new heavens and a new earth. The righteousness. Nobody shall say, no, Lord. Nobody shall say to, to, the, to the children, oh, no, no, the Lord. No, you don't have to say that. They all know him in that kingdom. Theirs and only theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, they will be comforted. Do you know what comfort is? Babies like to be cuddled and comforted and spoken to. Young people like comfort. And hopefully they don't look for the wrong comfort. But we all have a desire for comfort only. And the Lord Jesus is comforting. And he promises the most ultimate, sweetest, fulfilling comfort when he comes back. After the second coming, they will be comforted. Comfort with his face. Comfort with his spirit. He takes all the sadness away and calms his people down. You see a smile on the face of them that were inconsolable, broken-hearted, devastated, on the no earth. They are comforted. They have courage and closeness to the Lord. Because the Lord has shown his face. They will inherit the earth. That new kingdom is theirs. Think of the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. Lazarus, his, the dog, lick his wounds. 
and he was in heaven. And the rich man opened his eyes and now he lost everything. See? So blessed are they that inherit the earth. Blessed because they will be filled. He knows this often a feeling of being unfulfilling, not satisfied, not really feeding and nourishing you. So you like something that satisfies. And in heaven and on earth, there will be that being filled, having no desires left, no craving for anything. It's all fulfilled. You will say in the, on, on earth, I have everything. I can't think of anything that I don't have. I have the fullest, the fullest joy, the fullest purpose, the fullest love. To obtain mercy. Obtaining mercy. So that it's here on earth. Once in a while, the Lord also gives you the experience of mercy, the taste of it. But then on the earth, to have the fullness of it, the compassion of the Lord, the fellowship of the Almighty One, the empathy of the Lord Jesus, and the forgiveness of sins and the friendship of God. Imagine. Imagine. Friendship with God. God being close to you. God looking you in the face. His eyes on your eyes. And he's being so nice to you. And so close to you. Being close friends with God. Blessed are those people that have nothing here. And they'll inherit everything. They will become God's children. They will be at home. They will be with the Lord. They will be adopted. Not only forgiven, but adopted. You know, a judge can forgive. A judge does not adopt in general. But the Lord is adopting a people that he, is, that he has forgiven. And they will receive and enter in into the kingdom of heaven. So eight proclamations, eight marks, eight promises, and now eight invitations. Congregation in all the eight beatitudes is also invitation hidden. Something of a calling, something of a warning, something encouraging. Let us go over it. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Why are they so blessed? Because they don't have to pay anything. It's okay to be poor. 
you don't have to come with money. You may be bankrupt. Even when you're so bankrupt, you can still be blessed. So therefore, come without money and without price. Let not Satan discourage you. By sin, you have nothing. You can't pay for that. It's too expensive. Tell Satan you're right. But someone else has paid the price. And I may be poor, and as a poor one, I rely on him that is rich. See? So poor ones, seek your salvation in him who is rich. Blessed are the day that mourn. It's okay to mourn. It is fantastic that you're mourning. It is precious that morning. Because that morning means that you are admitting that you are missing something. And if you are missing something, then come to seek someone who can help you. Seek then salvation in someone else. Not in self, but in Christ. Blessed are the that mourn, for they shall be confident. See, blessed are the meek. I read the Matthew 11. Take my yoke upon you. Is that not invitation? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest unto your souls. Just be meek. Don't pretend. Don't be presumptuous. Don't be stubborn. See those invitations are hidden here. Blessed are the meek. The meek ones who do not keep their back straight. But surrender. Surrender to the Lord. Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a call the foal of an ass. So the Lord Jesus himself was meek. And in his meekness, he invites the meek ones. Dare to be meek. Dare to be poor. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness. Being hungry and thirsty. Well, in order to receive something from the Lord, there's nothing better than being thirsty for it and desiring it and hoping for it. So I would say, you poor ones, you meek ones, you hungry ones, there's enough food in him. In the Lord Jesus Christ, all things are full. He is the true meat. He is the true water of life. See your salvation in him, all hungry ones. Why are you so hungry? 
Why not drawing nigh unto him? Drink, eat. This is his body. Blessed are the merciful. Merciful. Do you hear that? God's people become merciful people. There is also a merciful God. A merciful Jesus. He is merciful. There is plenty of redemption in him. So that's the invitation. Invitation to come merciful yourself, seeking for that mercy. And there's plenty of mercy in him. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So have you not changed to uprightness? Have you been faking things now you hate it to be fake and phony? You have been made honest to yourself. That is that pureness, right? And so the Lord is also merciful, and the Lord is also pure in heart, and he will make his people to see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, because Christ is the peacemaker. He wants peace. He offers peace and pardon, no? For he has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that he might be made the, part, the, the righteousness of God in him. If you ask me what I think is the most beautiful text in the Bible, I probably will pick this one. For he, God, has made him the Lord Jesus? What? He, God, has made him to be sin. God has made him to be sin. A sin offering. All the sins loaded on him. For he has made him to be sin for us. who knew no sin. So he knew no sin. He's made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So hungry for righteousness, he is an invitation. An invitation to see the righteousness in the Lord Jesus. Because he, he, he makes righteousness of God in him. So you don't need to defend yourself. Oh, everyone that person come you to the waters and he that has no money come ye. Buy, eat, ye come. By wine and milk without money and without price. So come. May I bring this to your attention? May I just lay this before you?
everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. It's not my invitation. It's the Lord's. Come ye. So gentle. Such a peacemaker. Such a merciful one. Someone who has righteousness. Someone who has such pureness. And he says, come by without money, without price. Or think of Philippians 2 verse 7. He made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. William Carey, a famous missionary, died and he wanted a tomb for the stone. And what was it on the stone? As a wretched poor and helpless worm on thy kind arms I fall. So that was his life. Falling unto the kind arms of the Lord as a wretched poor and helpless worm. And it's so countercultural, right? When you say to your friends from completely different backgrounds, I am a worm. I am broken. I am mourning. I'm seeking righteousness. I am poor and needy. They will say, well, that does not appeal to me. It is so counter-cultural. But that is the word. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. Young friends, children, his service is good. You don't have to be the best. You don't have to pay the price. It is all free. And without him, we can do nothing. So humble yourself. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Do you believe that? Remain at his feet. Tell him that you can't go away. It's countercultural. It's amazing. But ye are blessed. You poor in spirit, the kingdom is yours. Amen.